Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... Xi'an Famous Foods by Jason Wang. Hey, Victoria. Hi, Johnny. Oh, I caught you mid-drink. Sorry. <laughs> I'm chewing on some ice. <laughs> I'm so unprofessional. I'll, I'll kill some time. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm good. It smells like a bakery in our kitchen today. Oh, you did some work today. I was a bacon fool. He was. I had the flour all over my sweatshirt to prove it, too. I think I ended up with more on the floor than in the baked goods. Tell our lovely uh, listeners what you made today. I made, uh, well, the day started off with me making something from a cookbook that we'll be featuring soon, and we'll get to that in a second, but it's this kind of savory kind of bread that you would normally have as kind of an aperitif with like a beer or wine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was good, and that I, turned I'm, out well. I'm calling it cafe bread. There you go. <laughs> it, it's very apt. And then I made some bagels from Sababa, mm-hmm. Adina Sussman. We love you, and we love your bagel recipe. Um, We're going to freeze those. And then we've got, uh, well, we'll talk about that in a second, because that's for dinner. Yes. So welcome to Tasty Pages, episode 19 from Cooking the Books. Um, As always, we've got a few housekeeping things to take care of. Um, If you go to our website, wecookbooks.com, you'll see a store tab that will direct you to our amazon.com affiliate page. And any purchase that you make from those links um, will not cost you a penny more, but we get a few cents in return. And it's a great way to show your support and get something that you might have wanted in return. Um, we've got a cookbook section that uh, features some of the best cookbooks that we've had on Cooking the Books. And then there's a Kitchen Essentials for home cooks. We kind of have to update that uh no, I did. Oh, you did? Yeah, I'm on top of it. <laughs> Man, yep. I'm a so slug. <laughs> what you're seeing is the latest and greatest. I added some recent cookbooks that we've featured on our feed and enjoyed. Johnny Balmer, I'm so proud of you. You're so yep. proactive and I'm lazy. TCB. <laughs> well, hey, why don't you tell the class what we just finished up? <laughs> Oh, Lord. Okay, so we just finished Plat Du Jour by Susan Herman Lewis. I like to call it Plat Du Jour. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's. If I'm not careful here, my wheels are going to fall off the bus. Uh, subtitle French Dinners Made Easy. And it was a lovely book. Yep. And we're. Uh, Finishing it up tonight, actually. Yes, for what is for dinner, we are doing an Alsatian bacon, onion, and cream uh, tart pizza flatbread, if you will. Um, I think I need to make up a theme song music for uh, dinner tonight. Dinner tonight. Something like that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get to work on it. All right. Um, Not sure what we're going to be featuring next. We'll have to decide on that in the next... uh, couple days yeah but uh christmas is approaching so we've got plans for that we'll talk about that in another episode uh show topic today before we dive into this wonderful book love them or hate them polarizing food ingredients so uh this was an idea that we had for a blog post and um, that will be kind of a companion to this, but we figured why not make it a topic of conversation on the podcast? So these would be ingredients that 
some people love with the passion of a thousand white hot suns and other people also hate. hate them with the passion of a thousand white hot burning suns. Yep. Uh, first on the list. Anchovies. Yep. Anchovy. Yeah, as, as Chris Morocco from Bon Appetit likes to say. Anchovies. An- an- anchovies. <laughs> oh, Chris. Um, so I think we're both of the opinion that anchovies are not our jam. No. Um, I remember the very first time I ever had one. We were at our dear friends, Joseph and Shannon's, uh-huh. and we had pizza, and they had anchovies on one of the pizzas, yep. because their daughter, Veronica, also really liked anchovies, uh-huh. which was crazy to me, because she was... She was young at the time. She, she was a kid. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll give it a go, and don't yeah. think, you know, whatever. They're, so, they're, they're just how intensely... Salty and fishy, and but the thing is, like they get there, they taste that way because of the curing process. I think maybe if I had like fresh, fresh uh, ones, fresh anchovies, it would be a different story. Yeah, but yeah, and they're they're kind of like a little hairy, and oh no! But we do keep anchovy paste, yeah, in our fridge. You add a little squirt of it to give it some umami. Yep. But if you're just going to throw it on like a salad or a pizza, no, I will well, so not. I would say most recipes that we've cooked from since beginning this project, if it calls for anchovies, um, we will either use the paste mm-hmm. or there was one time when I believe we made some kind of salad or toast situation I think it was a toast, and we put the anchovies on there as the recipe instructed. And I didn't mind it in that context. Well, so I'm kind of coming around. I think it's just, you know, it's like any ingredient. It, it probably depends on the uh, amount that you put on mm-hmm. as well as like kind of what context it is. If you're trying to introduce a little bit of salt, a little bit of funk to something. Funk is right. Perfect vehicle for mm-hmm. it. If it's going to be more of a thing like on a pizza or on a toast where you're going to have to bite into it and get this big mouthful of anchovy, <laughs> probably probably not going to be our jam. Yeah. So so anchovies, but we know they have their they have their enthusiastic fans. So absolutely, go you if if that's your thing. <laughs> all right, this next topic is kind of all you because you this is something that you're very passionate about. Ranch dressing. Yep. So needless to say, it's not welcome in our home. Oh, I just, and the thing is, I feel like people are so gross about it too. Like, no, they you put can't, it on everything. You can't just have like a little side cup. No, let's just drown everything in ranch. Yep. Ranch on pizza? No. Yeah. No. Oh, we'll get to pizza ingredients in a second. I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. Maybe I should just try and make a ranch dressing from scratch because it's like sour cream mayo, which I also mm, will get to that. Yep. You know, like garlic, uh, I, you know, and I would herbs. say, I mean, Ugh. take this conversation for what it is. It's just kind of in the spirit of fun and lighthearted. Yes, we're, we're, you not, know. we're not yucking anyone's yum. Yeah. It's just our personal preferences. But 
on that note, I would say with most of these things, we are well aware that it's completely going to depend on the quality of ingredient. Mm -hmm. So when we did do the anchovy toast from one of the books, I remember researching like, you know, what's the best, you know, supermarket anchovies. And, And I actually spent like, $12 $12 on some tiny jar of anchovies that were recommended. And I thought they were fine. And we ended up using them for, for different things, you know, so it didn't go to waste, but, yeah. um, and I, and I would think to your point, ranch dressing would be the same way. You could probably make something way better than like what some, you buy in the store. Yeah. Some garbage you'd buy in a bottle at the store on sale. Yeah. But I also kind of feel like, but is it worth it? Exactly. Yeah. So. Kind of like churning your own butter. Yeah. You know? <laughs> is it really worth it? You Yes, it can be done and it'd be amazing, but. Well, although, I mean, I guess you could, it would be super easy. You just take some cream and throw a little bit of salt in it and let it go in the KitchenAid until you get butter. Oh, no. You got to do it by hand. <laughs> I'm not here for so all that. So it's artisanal. My, my shoulder hurts too much already. Yep. <laughs> you look like Popeye. Right. Um, okay, so uh, next top, our uh, next uh, ingredient, mayo. How's that for you? Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, we have made several times a vegan variation of mayo, which you know, I guess purists would say it's not actually mayo. Whatever. I don't have a. I don't have a. You I don't have any skin in this game. So. <laughs> But we've made a vegan version from I Can Cook Vegan by Isa Chandra Moskowitz that's been a pretty pretty reliable mayo recipe whenever a recipe calls for it, like on sandwiches and stuff. Oh, we've made it multiple times, yeah. too. And I actually think it tastes so much better than mayo. And it's crazy to me that... I think it's yogurt-based, correct? Uh, wasn't or- there flaxseed? No, it wasn't No, it yogurt. wouldn't be yogurt because it's no. vegan. Um, it had like... Flax seeds. I don't know. You always, kind of you always oil. make it. Yeah, so I think it's like more oil based. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's crazy to me how something that is so simple, an emulsion of oil and egg yolk can make something so can trigger such terrible feelings <laughs> in you. And then, and then let's get fancy, put some garlic in and call it aioli. Yep. No, it's still mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> it's still gross. So in yes. your opinion, and clearly you don't like it that much. Either. I, I, it's extra calories. It's just, I, yeah, I, see, that's I, the thing. I, I mean, feel I feel like it's extra calories. I feel like, like in a lot of applications, there are other things you could, Put in there instead if you're looking for that kind of texture or something, you know, whether it's like some Greek yogurt or. I agree. Yeah. So eh, mayo, not a fan. Uh, This next one, I think we're in agreement on too. Marshmallow. Marshmallow. One exception being s'mores by the campfire. I'll I'll chomp a s'mores. Absolutely. I agree with you. But I think that's just more like the place and time. I've made marshmallows before. Like it's, I mean, it's sugar and egg white. Yeah. And I it, mean, we're, we're recording this at holiday season. So marshmallows are all the rage. I'm seeing it blow up our social media mm-hmm. with big marshmallows that people are going to put in hot chocolate and peppermint marshmallows and, you know, uh, marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really have a lot to say on the subject, do you? Nope. But, Here's the thing. 
I will say that if you roast a marshmallow over the campfire and it's got that very light brown don't don't burn that shit up. Don't yeah. light it on fire and turn it into a charcoal. Too many briquette. people turn it into like a flaming. Ugh. But if you have that like nice little golden brown skin and you just pull that off and leave the rest of the marshmallow, that's about as much as I can tolerate. That sounds like a messy proposition. And it's good. And, <laughs> and you will burn yourself too. Yes. You'll like get lava. Like, you'll get marshmallow strands on your chin Ooh. and then you're like hot sugar, hot. <laughs> We're going to have to have a legal disclaimer on this podcast. (laughs) Tasty Pages does not recommend... Eating hot marshmallows. Yes. It's funny how so much of this... I'll contact our legal department. Okay. (laughs) You do that. All right. So... The next one... Coconut. Coconut. I love coconut. Yeah, I have no problem with coconut. Mm. I can understand why some people may... Connect it with uh, like suntan lotion or something. Yeah, and, that's artificial flavor. Yeah, and I th- and I think that's where a lot of the dislike comes from with some people is if they're using like I don't know coconut oil or something that's maybe a little bit more artificial in taste or something. But uh, well, I don't think coconut oil. No, I'm, and I'm artificial. not. And I'm sorry, I'm not oh, talking about like you're talking about coconut extract. Like, yes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for clarifying because mm-hmm. we have coconut oil in the pantry and we use it all the time. Yeah. For, for stuff. Um, but we use shredded coconut and I think it adds like a nice little bit of texture. Mm -hmm. Um, there was something that we made, I made from one tin bakes. Oh, it was a peppermint slice. Yeah. And coconut on it. Yeah. The bottom, the bottom layer was, um, it was like chocolate and coconut. And I had forgotten that I'd put the coconut in there. So when I like actually tasted the bar, I was like, Oh, this is such a nice surprise. Because of the coconut. It's like finding a dollar on the street. I know, right? You forgot. All right. And then uh, next ingredient, cilantro. Love it. Yep. Use it all the time. I know that I've, I've met people that have allergies to it, which is really unfortunate when you think about how many things have cilantro in it. Yes. Well, and then there is that gene that like you can get where it tastes like soap. Like, it will taste like actual soap. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. I know. Because that rules out a lot of, like, Latin American and Asian cuisines. Mm. And uh, that would be a sad thing if I couldn't eat, you know, cilantro in my stuff. Well, and I also just love, I love cilantro, like, just making, like, a nice little herb salad. It's one of those great, fresh. We generally keep, as most people I'm sure do, cilantro and parsley on hand, and Mm -hmm. whenever we're Dish calls for a little bit of color, a little bit of garnish. It's a great way to to jazz up a brown dish mm-hmm. by sprinkling a little chopped parsley or cilantro on it. The cilantro so, kind of depending on what it is that you make. Yeah. Because that has a more assertive flavor. Than oh, yeah, I'm not going to just put it on ice cream <laughs> or something. All right. Next ingredient. And this one is it's a kind of a specific application in my mind. Pineapple. There is a special place in the belly of hell reserved for people who put pineapple on pizza. I agree. I'm, that's, I'm, that's my that's my stance, and I'm I'll die on that hill. Well, especially I'm, like the pineapple <laughs> ham, <laughs> like oh, and people will put like pineapples on top of like roasted hams, <sighs> which just grosses me out. However, grill up some pineapple. Oh my god, yeah. Mm, the the caramelization. Yeah, so this is a this is an ingredient where like in the right application, I'm totally fine with pineapple. We made that but pineapple um, on pizza, no bueno. 
there was a pineapple potato dish. Yep. Which was still weird to me. Yeah. Like, mm, it, it was really hard for me to wrap my head around yeah. eating pineapple in a well, savory application s- like that. For me, the sweetness is so assertive. So, like, you kind of got to go all in on the pineapple with, with when you're putting it in a dish because it's going gonna, it's gonna to come through and it's going to, you know, it's going to compete for center stage with anything else that's in that dish. So, uh, yeah. Okay, our next one. You're just looking at me like I I was looking at you lovingly with my glasses on. (laughs) Just 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 realizing how how eternal my love is for you. Oh my god, would you shut up, please? I love you too, but shut up. Thank you. Um (laughs) Hi wife. Hi husband. All right. Matcha. Now this is one that's it's divisive type topic in our household because I'm a big fan Ooh, of the matcha. He, you not no, so much. No, and I have tried, I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. Yeah, it's not one of those things where You've like made I the effort. ate it once or twice. Yeah, I've tried, but so, so we have matcha powder in the pantry, and it's not uncommon for me to occasionally whip up a, a matcha smoothie with a little bit of banana in there. Delicious. And matcha actually contains more caffeine than green tea. Whoa. Because it's like ground up tea leaves. Um, so you're consuming the whole tea rather than disposing of the disposing of the leaves, so therefore you're getting more caffeine. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Did you learn that on the internet? Did the internet tell you that? <laughs> the internet's told me. Oh, yes. And cool. it, gets, it, it gets its flavor from the amino acids in it. A very which, strong flavor, which uh, I can understand. Like, I, you either love it or hate it. And, you know, like, I would love to jump on that Instagram train of, like, making matcha this and matcha that. And yeah. I, I think it's, like, that green color is so beautiful to me, but, ugh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, you know, when we go have our occasional Dunkin' Donut experience, they've got a iced co- a matcha iced coffee that I will order regularly if, if, it's, if it's in season. Yes. Matcha so. latte. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Sorry. <laughs> a matcha iced coffee. That would be really gross. <laughs> that, that would not be good. You know, it's funny because we don't like stop and get coffee anymore because we'll like usually. No, because I don't pre- want to catch a virus and die. I know. Well, and like pre-COVID, like, you know. <laughs> coffee wa- is not essential for me at Dunkin' Donuts. Pre-COVID, you'd walk around, you know, Target, sipping on a drink. Yep. And number one, you can't do that because you should be wearing your mask if you're not an asshole. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and you can't really drink anything. If you're, if you're uh, wearing a mask, yep. what are you going to do? Shove your little straw up in there? That's super Million awkward. dollar idea. I'm yeah. going to get to work on this. And by the time I complete it, the virus will be eradicated right? and there won't be a need for it. But a straw I'll, valve. There yep, you go. A that's little clicky, that's a clicky saying. thing, like right on the mouth. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Make a note. Million dollar idea. <laughs> All right. All right, so let's let's get into this Xi'an famous foods. Um, this is named after the restaurant uh, Empire, based in New York City, that started with one little food stall in Flushing, New York, and expanded beyond that. And it's uh, kind of featuring the foods of the Western China province. Mm-hmm. Um, 
from folks who immigrated from there. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like the real deal. They they brought their homeland food to New York. And these were foods that and ingredients that were previously difficult to find. Mm-hmm. Um so this was this was new for us, very exciting, a little labor intensive for the dishes that we chose. Um, we knew that going into it. We were prepared. I was really intimidated because I knew that like I wanted to make noodles and yep. I was super excited and I, you know, the Biang Biang noodles, the slap noodles. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. Well, and this I was a wait. this was a book where I felt like you had to really like do those classic absolutely, signature dishes absolutely. instead of just dipping your toe in the water. So I mean we this was a thing and and we set aside the whole week and we, you know, we had to do menu planning and plan like knowing that there were days when we might need a couple hours or more to execute the dishes. Well, and it's a good and, thing that we work from home. Like the yeah. day that we made the cold skin noodles, we had to come upstairs and, you know, you flush, you flush your... That doesn't sound appetizing. (laughs) (laughs) You rinse. You rinse. And that, oh, oh, and that was for making the seitan too. Yep. Um, But you do all these multiple rinses. Yeah. So we were able to just like break away from work and jump upstairs for a few minutes. Absolutely. But uh, so the dishes we made, we made six dishes in Uh total. We did uh, some spare ribs, Uh red braised spare ribs. We did a seitan salad. That was probably no. We we had to make the seitan. There was another salad we made, a tiger vegetable salad. That was probably the easiest dish because yeah. that was just kind of mixing everything together in a bowl. Yeah, we made that with uh, to serve with the short ribs. That one was super easy. It was like uh, celery, mm-hmm. um, some hot peppers, mm-hmm. super easy. Um, and then we did uh, we did some dumplings. Mm-hmm. We did uh, the cold skin noodles that we mentioned earlier, and then we did the spicy tingly beef. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we move on to the ranking portion where we evaluate these on a uh, scale of one to five, starting with food photography and styling. Uh, what'd you have for that? I gave it a 4.5. Oh, oh. Point fives again. What what would you knock off from making it a perfect five? Or, or where did it where did it lose you a bit? Where did it? I just didn't. I mean, do I really have to be like I'm no, knocking no, off no, points? No, no, no. I just didn't know if you had any criticisms. No, 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 no. Um, there were a lot of like really beautiful uh, hard light photos, which I adore. Um, lots of like there's like action shots, like people filling dumplings. Yep. And there were like a lot of the communal shots with like the hands and blah, blah. And then yep. there is one thing that I really, really liked. There's a chapter called the grind, which is talking, you know, which is about the, the foods at the shop. Uh, and the grind is when they, when they expanded to New York to city New York. Yeah. from flushing. Yeah. And that was like the roll up your sleeves, get to work. We hit the big time. We're in, Manhattan or you know New York wherever he is and and so let's get there's to work. there's photos there that are in the restaurant and it's got kind of this gross blue lighting and yeah. it, but it like really I think captures a mood yeah like absolutely you know, the restaurant is small and it's dark and mm-hmm. so yeah I mean 
Yeah, I I gave it a four. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of on the same page. Uh, Jenny Huang, I believe is how you pronounce it, is the photographer. I in my notes I said dark, moody, lots of shadows, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. Um, there were some cool flat lay photos in there. Yes. There were some great street shots where, you know, he actually did go back to his native Xuan province and did take some- Did you call some- it Xuan? Did, did I? Yeah. Xi'an. <laughs> Gosh, I'm an Xi'an. idiot. Xuan. Xi'an. There we go. <laughs> dum-dum. I am a dum-dum. White people. All right. <laughs> but yeah, so there were street shots. There were like some action shots, like you said, a lot of uh-huh. hands-on, like him slapping the noodles and all that. There was some great- um, photos from their past like when they were first starting out like yes. him and his father working in the kitchen uh-huh. um just these nice candid shots but it really just kind of leans into that legacy and 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 his you know his point of view which makes this book so unique there's a noodle pulling shot that i really really love um and it's just like black background I know the one you're speaking of. It's a fantastic photo. It's so it looks so dramatic and yet so serene. Yeah. And it's just dark and moody and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite photo of the whole book. Yeah. So there's, there's suffice to say, there's some fun photos mm-hmm. to look at in here. Um, next category, design and layout. Um, what'd you have for this, Victoria? I gave it a four. Okay. Um, it's broken down into seven sections. Yep. Um, there is another little thing that I like, uh, on the right hand side of the page. Um, it's like, uh, there are these little symbols, these little icons that say you can serve this with noodles. You can serve it as a noodle soup, serve it on a bun. They call it a burger burger. But yeah, yeah, it's basically like a steam bun, Mm -hmm. open face kind of thing. I love that. Like that is like, it just kind of gives you that little bit of latitude right there on the edge of the page. Um, Let's see what else did I and and there are a lot of uh, photos which for me is really helpful step by step photos because when a book is like pull this this way cross this this way flip it over blah de blah my brain does not process that I need to see actually what I need to do. Well, there are some beautiful illustrations. Yes, by the illustrations are great. Too. Julie Kang is her name, and um, she did all the illustrations for both the the step by step tutorials throughout the book on how, like you said, how to do the noodles, the dumplings, all that. And then, um, both in the beginning and ending of the book, there's a, you know, the first page you open up to that makes up like the the cover of the books, there's this beautiful illustration. It's just gorgeous. It's like these great colors, like really fun. It's like a done like in a like kind of maroonish, reddish, kind of pink to salmon color. And there's like big plate of dumplings. Um, It almost looks like a mural. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then, you know, the only thing I had to kind of piggyback on that is the chapters are kind of cleverly divided into, uh, there's a section called Original Tracks, and it's this is kind of like the OG recipes that inspired the food on the menu. There's one called Remix, where I think this was around the time when Jason was 
kind of taking on more responsibility in the restaurant and the family mm-hmm. business and injecting his own point of view into everything, including the the food that showed up on the menu. And so he was making things more accessible to us dumb white people. So there was like things like ramen and fried chicken wings on the on the menu, but it was, you know, done in a way that would, you know, make it accessible, but also like still staying true to those kind of flavors and ingredients. And then, you know, like you said, like the grind, that's the New York city years. There's one, you know, called the party. So it's, it kind of, the chapters are divided up to kind of, emulate like the evolution of the of restaurant the, of like his life and his career yes. and how the restaurant goes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's it, pretty smart. It's it's really cool. And it really just, there's a definite point of view with this book. So if you want to learn like the history of the cuisine, as well as like the, you know, the history of the, the restaurateur, the author, this is a great book. Mm-hmm. I, I gave that a five. I I, I really like the design and layout of this book. And and as you mentioned, the different um, kind of keys that, you know, these little symbols were, you know, there's all these recipes throughout the book and you can enjoy them kind of like a choose your own adventure. Mm -hmm. So it's like you can do this over rice. You can do it as a burger. You can do it with noodles. You can do it as a soup. And it gives you those options. And so I thought that was a really great, smart Mm -hmm. choice. All right, next category, degree of difficulty. What'd you give it? I gave it a three. Okay. Um, I think there's a pretty nice mix throughout the book of like really simple recipes and really challenging recipes. We, we definitely took on more challenging recipes for this book. Yes. Because and, why not? Like, I mean, yeah. we might as well. And that said, you would not have to do that Mm-mm. to get something out of this book. And and I, I had mentioned earlier, like that tiger vegetable salad. I mean, there literally was one yeah. step in the recipe. It was like, mix all these ingredients in a bowl. So, it, I mean, if that's all you have time or skill for, go for it. You can and, use this book and get something tasty out of it. And the thing for us is like we crammed this all in together in like one week. So it was a lot if you what just were like we thinking, if you just like randomly want to like make noodles on a weekend, it's fine. I mean, it's a, it's time consuming. And I will say, I remember once we completed this book, having <gasps> like such a sense of accomplishment. Oh, we were as well high as like, I know it was great. Kind of realizing like, you know, I think we planned it well so that mm-hmm. it wasn't stressful. I mean, things can get a little heated in the kitchen if there's a lot of steps and you're, you're, trying to do all these things at once. And I didn't feel that kind of stress with this. Mm-hmm. I think that was, you know, awesome planning on our part, but mm-hmm. just, I th- I think it says a lot for like the book itself has some very like clear instructions on how to walk through some of these steps, whether it's making the dumplings, making the noodles. And we didn't, I mean, we did look up a YouTube tutorial on how to make those slap noodles just so we could kind of a visual indication Mm -hmm. because like, it's one thing to read something and look at these step-by-step pictures and illustrations, but it was much easier just to like watch someone do it and be like, Oh, of course. Well, and you kind of want confirmation. Like you're kind of like, I think I'm thinking this, the way I want to do it is right. The way it needs to be done is right. Yeah. And then you see actually, yes, I am interpreting these instructions correctly. Um, yeah. And you know, kudos to Jason for adapting these restaurant recipes for a home kitchen. 
because we just finished on the previous episode, Barbudo, where um, unfortunately, I don't think that was done at all. And if it was, it was it was done poorly. And I'm sorry to you know everyone involved with that book, but this is an example of how to actually do it properly because I'm sure you know whatever equipment and methods they have access to in that restaurant, they had to adapt it for a home cook, and they did a fantastic job because we were able to successfully execute all these dishes. Yes, and I actually. Pretty much, I gave it the same score, and all, like all the notes that I made are like, yeah, like there are some things that were difficult and really time consuming, yeah, but th- the instructions were very concise, yeah. So, you don't get that panic where you're like, oh my god, is this gonna turn out? Am I gonna do this? We had right? never done like anything like those noodle mm-hmm. dishes, the and, cold and just skin- and we made Satan, yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Hail Satan. <laughs> twice. Yeah, so we for, did it twice. I mean, for, for some people, this might be like common knowledge, but for us, you make the Satan, and then the byproduct of that is what you use to make the noodles. So you're basically getting like two ingredients from one technique or method. And it was so fascinating to me. And I just had such a sense of accomplishment once we did that because it turned out it worked. And that's the thing. That's the thing about you eat, you eat something that you made that took a really long time and a lot of care. Yeah. And, and it tastes delicious. Yeah. I mean, we're preaching to the choir here, I'm sure, but. It was great. Like the feeling that you get is uh, just, you're so deeply satisfied. Mm-hmm. All right. And then most importantly, the final category, taste. I gave it a five. Awesome. Like, and what I loved is stuff in here was spicy. It was like savory spicy and also hot spicy. There was some chili oil. There, there was a lot of warm flavors going on. Yep. It just, everything pleased me. And, and there was always like a really good balance. There's a little bit of acid to even out the heat, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, so if everything was, yeah, I just can't, this is going to be one of my favorite books of the year. I'm, uh, I'm actually based on just our conversations here and stuff. I'm actually going to bump mine. up. I had originally give it in four, I'm going to bump it up to a five. Ah, yep. look, I changed On the fly. your mind. Yep. And, it, and it's because we we chose dishes that we were curious about or that we thought we'd enjoy. There were some items, if I'm being honest, especially like in this homecoming section where he actually goes back to um, Xi'an mm-hmm. and kind of revisits his homeland and, you know, dives into all of the, the dishes being offered where... I was like, eh, I don't know. Like, if we would have chose the spicy, sour mung bean jelly, mm, I might might not have. It might have been a little tough to adapt my taste buds to that. But I think we kind of smartly stayed in our lane with stuff that flavor combinations and ingredients that we know that we were you know comfortable with that we'd enjoy. Not to say that anything was easy, as we've discussed, like making the noodles and stuff, but. Everything we had was awesome. And those cold skin noodles, 
I really thought that I would be kind of grossed out by them because of the texture. Well, and the size. I mean, they're these large, they're, wide yeah. noodles. Not not what we normally reach for Mm-mm. when when cooking noodle dishes. But to our surprise, they were great. I loved it. It was so hearty and ah uh, and. In the texture, I was totally fine because I'm like a huge texture person. Yeah. And well, I feel like the size of them kind of lends themselves to like soaking up all the flavors yes, all that, and all like the chili oil yeah. and the aromatics. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, no complaints. Um, if you're looking for something fun to dive into and maybe like flex your culinary muscles, this is a great book, especially if you've got someone to assist. I think those some of those dishes we made would definitely require Two some people. assistance. Yeah. So, you know, make make a date of it, mm-hmm. grab a partner, do it up. This is a great yeah. Put your kids to work, whatever you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So if you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review. Uh, you can find us on the web at wecookbooks.com as well as Instagram at we underscore cook underscore books and Facebook at wecookbooks. Production assistance was provided by Danny Schaefer. All right. You know what time it is, Victoria? Bring it on. Joke time. Make it funny. I Of course. Uh-huh. I mean, that okay. goes without saying. Uh, uh, hey, how can you tell when one of your dinner guests is a vegan? They'll tell you. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> oh, they'll tell you. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Wear a mask.